Hi, it's Tony. On today's show, we'll talk to Mark Feinsand about the sale of the Orioles. We'll talk to Associated Press golf writer Doug Ferguson, who's out of Pebble Beach. And we'll also chat with Neil Greenberg about a sports book that wouldn't pay out to a winner. You can't do that. But first, let's do some commerce. Being around sports media and a fan of, oh, my NC State Wolfpack for a lifetime has taught me that sometimes it's exploring the sliding doors moments and what-if scenarios in sports that can be the best part of the fan experience. What if the Seahawks let Marshawn run to the one-yard line with the Super Bowl on the line? Or could a coin flip have landed Magic in Chicago, Michael in L.A., and made Charles Barkley the first black president? Enter Wondery's newest sports show, Alternate Routes, a weekly leap into the sports multiverse with former sports center anchors Trey Wingo and Kevin Frazier. Each week on the podcast, Trey and Kevin will pry open the sliding doors of a different what-if moment from the world of sports. In these alternate sports realities, dynasties will fall. Legacies will change forever. New goats will emerge. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to Alternate Routes early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale with Hot Buys, your choice of color starting at just $3.99. Ashley Sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus, receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases and shop top mattress brands like Stearns & Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple, and Beautyrest Black with 60-month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval, no minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax, and delivery may be required. See store for details. Previously on the Tony Kornheiser Show. These original one percenters employed dressers that did their zippers for them. Hmm. Since most people are right hand or zippered style with a zipper on the left was easier for these dressers to use than their right hand to zip up the clothes of their aristocrat as they face them. So having Michael zip up your coat for you was actually a perfect example of what the founding fathers of zipper design <laughs> imagined. And he also says, tell Josh Obadiah to eat it. So we do. <laughs> yeah, that Josh. sums up uh, our relationship pretty well. Yeah. From <laughs> Liam. It, that's not fair. <laughs> this is General George Washington, and you're listening to the Tony Kornheiser Show. Now, normally I would do an open about something that happened to me at an outlet store <laughs> that seems completely unfair and unreasonable, or I would talk about a pizza that I got the wrong pizza and another pizza was delivered. And I'll get to that somewhere down the road, but not today. Because we have what I consider to be breaking news in baseball. <clears throat> Certainly where I live, the Orioles are being sold. They're being sold um, to a couple of people, one at least from Washington, David Rubenstein, who, who I believe is sort of like the, you know, the godfather of the Kennedy Center. I mean, I, I think he's spent an awful lot of money to refurbish the Kennedy Center and stuff wow. like that. He's got a lot of money from the Carlisle Group. And he's got a partner whose name I don't know, and that's why Mark Feinstein is going to be with us, because he's going to know the people who are buying the Orioles. There are not that many questions here. The first thing to say is that Peter Angelos, who is not running the team anymore due to a, uh, an illness, his son John is running the team, 30 years ago, he bought the Orioles for $173 million, and he's now selling them for 10 times that, for 10 times that. Mark, let's start with why there are two teams for sale within 45 minutes of each other, the Baltimore Orioles and the Washington Nationals. Why were the Orioles sold and not the Nationals? Why did this, these people buy the O's, not the Nats? Well, I think you know, Rubenstein is from Baltimore, so that may have had something to do with it. Right. Uh, and, you know, I think he was part of the Ted Leonsis group uh, that was talking about buying the Nats, but I think, you know, here he's the lead guy. It's his, it's his group. Uh, the, other, the other gentleman who's a, a major part of the group's name is Mike Araghetti, uh, yeah. another private equity guy. Um, but this is, uh, you know, why, why the Orioles are over the Nats, I guess we'll have to ask him someday when he has a press conference. Um, he did step down as the chairman of the Kennedy Center uh, on Monday, and according to the Washington Post, he had a quote. He said, I'm 74 years old, an age which is too young to be president of the United States, but generally <laughs> considered old enough for other things. So I like this guy. He's funny. Yeah, hey, oh, he's, he's absolutely wonderful and, and very, obviously, philanthropic. What does, he, what does he get with the O's? You, you get a team on the verge of being great, right? And they have, they're not obligated to an enormous payroll yet. 
No, they're, they actually have one of the lowest payrolls in the league, despite winning 101 games last year. Um, you know, the way it's going to work, I believe, is he's going to initially buy 40% of the club. Um, eventually, he'll be named as the control person uh, once you know the sale is approved by the league, which uh, will that process will begin in next week's owners' meetings. Um, but it generally takes a little while for that to happen. But we'll see how much this is fast tracked. Um, and then after Peter Angelos is passing, then he will. The, the group will purchase the remainder of the team uh, for for tax purposes. You know, capital gains taxes would be uh, much higher if they if the Angelos family sold the team prior to Peter Angelos's passing. So, um, you know, once Peter Angelos was ninety four and, and obviously not well physically suffers from not dementia, well. right. once once he passes, then the, the the full sale will go on. But um, you know, for the for the baseball team, I think this has got to be good news. I mean, John Angelos has talked about. You know how they'd have to raise ticket prices dramatically if they ever signed a player for 150 or 200 million dollars. Well, they've got some guys on that roster right now who are fast tracking their way towards 150, 200 million dollar contracts. In you know Adley Rutschman and Gunnar Henderson, Jackson Holiday's on his way. Uh, you know Michael Elias has done a really nice job of building up this farm system to the point where they still haven't spent free agent money. Um, you know, he, Michael Elias, in his term as GM, has never signed a player to a multi-year deal, um, and yet wow. they won 101 games last year. So uh, it's it's pretty impressive what they've done to, uh, you know, during this rebuild and what they've done to to put a winning product on the field. But as we know, uh, you got those checks get cashed at some point, and and the players will be uh, arbitration eligible. They make a lot more money there, and then eventually they'll be free agents unless you lock them up. Uh, you know, you would think that David Rubenstein and his group are going to do their best to try to uh, keep this core together if it's, if it's having as much success as it already has. Yeah, the Baltimore Orioles are right now a better team than the Washington Nationals. The Nationals have won a World Series more recently than the Baltimore Orioles, but they're better, and they got a better ballpark. And the Nats ballpark's wonderful, but the Baltimore ballpark is the best in the business. So everything is lovely for them, but, and there's always a but, the Washington market is a wealthier market. It is a larger market. It is a greater market. Um, what's What does this mean for the Washington Nationals? And please include how they break out of this television bind, because now both teams, the Orioles and the Nats, are on the Mid-Atlantic Sports Network, Masson, and, and that's got to stop, right? I would think eventually it does. I, I don't I must say I'm not as educated on the Nationals and, and, and Orioles TV situation as some mm-hmm. of your other guests. This might be a Barry question, yeah. um, but I, I know that uh, you know the the I believe that the TV network is part of the uh, part of the deal in terms of you know their. So this is not a situation where Angelos is going to keep Masson as part of the uh, the sale. So you know Rubenstein and his group will will take over that and, and, you know, maybe with the new ownership there, maybe there can be something worked out uh, between the two sides. You know, that's I know, obviously a, a big local interest to you and yours yes. down in the D.C. area. Yes. Um, but I can't, I can't speak all that educationally on how this deal directly is going to affect that. Well, here's, here's a question. Rubenstein um, is pals with Leonsis. Leonsis wants... All he cares about is product for his television network, Monumental Sports. That's, that's why he's buying everything in sight. There was a period of time where I don't think he could have owned a baseball team and also owned an NHL team and also owned an NBA team. I guess those days are gone. But does this, in your opinion, make it easier for Ted Leonsis to buy the Washington Nationals? And will there be a problem down the road with, with his partnership with Qatari money? which doesn't seem to be a problem with the NBA or the NHL, but might be with baseball? Uh, you know, that's a really good question. I, I, and I'm sure something that will come up if, if there is that serious ownership bid and, uh, you know, amongst the owners. Green, green typically uh, is the color that matters in these situations mm-hmm. uh, in all sports and probably in all of life. Um, but I think uh, the fact that, uh, you know, that Rubenstein was, was potentially going to be part of Leonsis's group to buy the Nationals back, you know, when that was going on, uh, there is a relationship there, and maybe that will, uh, you know, sort of thaw that 
that whole TV situation. And yeah, um, you know, I think the good news for the Nationals is that if the Orioles are getting one point seven three billion or one point seven two five billion, then the Nationals probably are looking at something over two billion in terms of their uh, their sales. So at least there's maybe a little better sense of what that market's going to look like. And now maybe some other people will, uh, especially with the idea that there are new owners in Baltimore. Uh, maybe maybe something will happen with that, but uh, you know I think I think for the Orioles fans who have been frustrated by the lack of spending, especially now that you actually have some good players down there in Baltimore, I think this has to be viewed as as a positive, uh, you know, for the for the baseball side of things, if nothing else. I would think that you know you know what a big splash would be the day after you buy the team, you sign Blake Snell. Yes, I mean they need pitching, right, Mark? They need starting pitching. They do, and uh, you know it's it's funny. I, I really, the last two years, Mike Elias has talked at the GM meetings about having money to spend, and it's fun to be involved in free agency. And then they don't do anything, and you're sort of like, well, are you? You know, Craig Kimbrell for one year and thirteen million dollars is is fine. You needed somebody to replace Bautista, who's out for the year after Tommy John, but. Yeah, you need a starting pitcher. Last year, I think it was banging the drum all winter for Nathan Evaldi as the guy. It wouldn't have cost them $100-plus plus million and would have been a great guy to lead their staff, and they didn't sign him, and he went to Texas. And what did he do? Oh, he won the World Series. That's right. Yes. Um, I don't know that that guy is out there. You know, Jordan Montgomery, maybe. You know, he'll cost less than Snell, but he's still going to cost you nine figures. And the Orioles, to this point, haven't seemed to have the appetite for it. Dylan Cease, you know, will they trade for a guy like Cease? Maybe. But Michael Elias is really, you know, sort of squirreling those nuts in his minor league system. He doesn't want to give up a ton, and the White Sox are asking for a ton plus. So, um, you know, at some point I would expect the Orioles to go acquire a starting pitcher more likely via trade than free agency, um, but that might, be, uh, that might be a situation that waits until July. Thank you so much for jumping in on this. I, I appreciate it a lot because, I mean, yeah, where I live, this is a big deal because of know, the, the, the ripple effect. Pre- if I had known it was going to preempt the pizza story, I might have said no. Uh, <laughs> you get the pizza story next week. Mark Feinstein, boys and girls. We'll take a break. Doug Ferguson will join us from Pebble Beach. I'm Tony Kornheiser. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast listen up i won't sugarcoat it this is the longest cold flu and allergy season we've ever seen but we're not alone we've got instacart Sure, you may be a coughing snot faucet who just wants mommy, but you're not giving up! Not when cold medicine, fragrant herbal teas, and honey shaped like bears can be delivered through Instacart in as fast as 30 minutes! Now let's go win the sick playoffs! Daddy, I just want my soup. Oh, sorry, Sport App says it'll be here in in a few minutes. Instacart for the win. This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. This is sent to us by Matt Davis who's a guitarist, a composer, an educator. He's an adjunct associate professor. He's chair of the guitar department guitar. at the University of the Arts in Philadelphia. Michael, did you ever go to the University of the Arts when you were in Philadelphia? Do you know where nope, it is? But if I had a chance to get a degree in guitar, maybe. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes. it's wonderful. Matt Davis, he says, a good friend who loves your podcast and who also loves my music suggested I send some songs to you for your consideration. 
And this one is called All Grown Up. It plays in Doug Ferguson. In terms of full disclosure, <laughs> we are taping this, you know, a little after 5.30 at night on Tuesday because Doug's out in Pebble, and we're not going to ask him to wake up at 4.30 in the morning to talk to a bunch of clowns. <laughs> so we're not going to do that. But let, let, me, let me talk about... Pebble Beach is is the next tournament on the calendar. It is the most, of the regular stops on the tour, it is without question the most scenically beautiful. Everybody knows Pebble. Everybody wants to play Pebble, and everybody can. It costs money, but everybody can pay. It's public course, and and people love to watch the tournament, the pro-am part and all of that. And it's a big deal tournament. But, Doug, let me start with this. The last two or three weeks in a row, there were unrecognizable leaderboards. An amateur actually won an event, um, the next one was essentially the DP World Tour. There were all these Europeans on it, and they weren't necessarily even Ryder Cuppers. And, and I, you know, w- what is this? What was this? There were no... I, I mean, my theory is, and my son will shoot me down for this, but my theory is that this is the bleeding away of the Saudi Tour. And, and you're seeing it now in, in these events, which are not, I grant you, the huge money events, but there was almost nobody there that you'd ever heard of. Why is that? Cyclical? I don't have any good answers to that. It's golf. It's the weirdest sport there ever was. I mean, the, the, the line between 1 and 100 is, is uh, thinner than it is in any other sport. And uh, mm-hmm. I'm 20 seconds into not making any sense at all because I can't explain it either. I ran into the president of Pebble. I saw him the other day. He said, who's your pick for the week? I said, are you kidding me? Find one guy who could have picked any of the last four winners. In fact, Tony, you can go back. Yeah. I just counted this up the other day. The last seven PGA Tour events, uh, the winners were all outside the top 50 in the world. Now, some of them were in the fall, but, but um, you know, part of me is surprised we, we don't get that more often. Uh, that'll change this week, probably, unless uh, Steven Yeager or Kevin Yu, both are in the field. Right. If they win, then we're all in, in super big trouble here. But, um, you know, it... it, it Nick Dunlap, the amateur, uh, you know, one of the best college kids. That's still a surprise because it hadn't happened in thirty odd years. Yeah, uh, I think I think give this some some time. I would I would call this the um, anti tiger slump. Got asked years ago about the slump Tiger was in because he'd won like uh, he'd gone four tournaments without winning. And I said, let's get to the Masters and see where he is. And he'd won three in a row, including the Masters. So give this time. You got Pebble. You got Phoenix next week. You've got Riviera, which are three monster monster fields. Bay Hill and the players right around the corner. It'll, I think it'll sort itself out. I, I, I don't disagree with any of that, but I'm wondering if you see any effect that the Saudi tour has had. I mean, you take like, you know, you'd love to see John Rahm at Pebble. I mean, you really would. Uh, I, I just wondered if, if and, and if there's any consideration on the part of the PGA tour to not necessarily panic, but to say, well, we can't keep putting these things on the air <laughs> quite like this. We've got to make sure our better players play in some events that aren't the huge money events. Is there any movement like that? I don't think so, and I'll tell you why. We're dealing with John Rahm, and that's a, that's a big name and that's a big talent. But if you yeah. go back to, to last you know, summer, um, we were getting top names and, and, and top winners and it was the same thing minus John Rom. So I don't think one guy is is making a difference. Um, but look, I think it's a it's a narrative that people can talk about it. I mean, you're talking about it now. Yeah, it's a, it's yeah. A fair enough point. Doesn't really have an answer to it. But if this continues, you, you yeah, I guess you start asking yourself uh, how much better could we be? Rory was just in here a, a second ago, and, and um, you know he's in favor of getting the world back together again. And I asked him, you know, if you win this week. Because John Rahm's not here and DJ's not here, um, would this feel cheapened the wind? And he said, "Yeah, he thinks it would. Because if he stands on the 18th with the trophy, he wants to know that he's beaten the best players in the world, and some of them aren't here." It's so that interesting. Is an issue. Yeah, you bring up Rory. I had a question about Rory. It just it it has seemed to me for the last four or five months that Rory McIlroy must have felt he was tremendously blindsided when he took the lead, you know, to sort of vouch for the PGA Tour, and he just basically left the country. Right? I mean, he wasn't he wasn't around for any of these events. Well, didn't he do uh, something in in Europe or? You know, Dubai or something like that. Yeah, I mean, how does what is his mindset now? Is he uneased by everything that's happened? No, I th- well, for for one thing, he's he always starts in Dubai or Abu Dhabi, so that's that's not unusual. He did two of them this year. Um, he never go, rarely goes to Kapalua, I should say. So that's that mm-hmm. wasn't a 
a big surprise, but he did um, take himself off the policy board back in December, I think, yeah. November, December, late in the year. Got out blindsided. Yeah, I mean, he he talked about being the, a sacrificial lamb when the deal was announced back in June. But the thing that got my attention, because frankly, Rory has been all over the map lately. He's been the the biggest uh, campaigner against live golf. Now he wants to see the world back together again. Yeah, he actually said on a soccer podcast at the start of the year in, in Dubai that he met with with Yasser Aramayan, the, the Saudi guy, mm-hmm. um, back in November of twenty two, and came back and told the tour, "You've got to sit down with this guy." So Rory was all in on the tour, getting together with the Saudis and figure, figuring something out. Um, you know, and then they announced the deal that surprised everybody in June and felt like a sacrificial lamb. I couldn't quite put those two together. But he has completely, I wouldn't say reversed, but he certainly softened big time on, on his stance on the, on the guys that are, that are going over there. You can't imagine he would go himself, can you? No, I don't think that. I mean, look, right. he he hammered him so bad. I'm not sure that yeah. won him. Uh, <laughs> some of the players and and Greg Norman, but he, but he said numerous times he's never even got an offer. I think he stated his intentions early, and and never bothered with them. But um, I don't know. It's about him going over. I I think Rory's feeling toward it is let's figure out a way to put everything back together and maybe incorporate some of the some of the team stuff separately. You know, kind of like the the. Indian cricket thing that neither of us probably follow where you've right. got these, you've got these leagues going on and then every now and then you take a break and do a, a special event, maybe figuring out something like that. The question to me is, is, is when it's going to happen. Cause I still think, you know, all the guys that, that chose not to go that may have turned down offers and now you're going to let John Rom cash in 400, 500 million, whatever it was. And all of a sudden, come back and everything's you know copacetic again. When all these guys turn down money, how they figure that out is beyond me. Because I think that's I, the biggest sticking point. I completely agree with that. I mean, I I think that if you allow them back in and there's no penalty whatsoever, then then the guys who stayed go, well, what did what did I do? What am I doing here? I'm in, I'm a complete idiot, and I want the money. By the way, just as a side note, I was totally surprised that Jim Nance did the Farmers Tournament last week from Baltimore. Right? That's not, I mean, he, yeah, what? he's done Kansas City the last two years, though. Really? Um, the Chiefs hosted. Yeah, it's um, it's just a remote deal. Stays in Kansas City, and um, and and does it from Torrey, and then comes out to Pebble where he lives. So yeah, that wasn't unusual. Oh, it was unusual, but it's not unprecedented. Yeah, I just well, that was the first time for me. I went, wow, he's not even there. Um, I I, I guess. You know, I mean, we're all going to watch Pebble because everybody loves Pebble and everybody's going to play Pebble because they love it and there's a lot of money. And I, I keep coming back to this. I, I guess what Rory is talking about and probably what most golfers would want since they're independent contractors is the liquidity to go among any tour events that you want all over the world, right? What do you mean by that? I'm not, I'm not sure I follow you. Like I the mean, ability that- to go wherever you want? Yes, I mean that that it, that it becomes that there are no borders. It's liquid. So if you want to play a live tour here, and you want to play a PGA tour there, and you want to meet in the majors down the road, that I would think that's what they want. Or have we not reached that point? I don't think you could possibly. Everything is possible. It's golf, right? Um, right. It's hard to reach that point because that's kind of what Norman was preaching in the first place. We want free agency in golf. We want total independency. But when you're putting together a TV contract, which is going to foot the bill for the money you're making, you have to have some kind of guarantee that you're going to have players be at 15 tournaments. That's the, that's the minimum for the PGA Tour. And even for, for Liv, I mean, he talks about free agency, go wherever you want, but they are required to play their 14 Liv yeah. events. And that's what kept Graham McDowell from playing in his National Open in Ireland one year because he had a Liv event in Singapore or somewhere like that. And, and couldn't do it. So there's no real thing as go wherever you want because to get a television contract to support this, you have to have some assurances that you're going to be playing and have an idea where guys are playing. Well, that, that leads me to the next fairly obvious question. If you're a sponsor, do you want this? If you're a sponsor, do you want the sense that I don't know who's going to be here? One of the things that, that would be counter to what the tour has been for as long as I've been alive is, is being contracted to a tournament. But I think that might be the solution. Because right now, you, these guys just have to play 15 tournaments. It could be 
anywhere they want. And I'm talking about strictly the PGA Tour. So if you're, if you're Wells Fargo, if you're Colonial, um, you don't know exactly who you're going to get. Why should I be poning up $10, $12, 15000000 million a year when I'm not sure I'm going to get Jordan Spieth or Rory McIlroy? Yeah, so yeah. the thought is, should these guys now be saying, all right, I'll play my 15, but here's 12 for sure that I'm committed to, and then the sponsor knows exactly uh, what they're getting. Because right now they don't. I, and the other question I have is you hear from Jay Monahan and you hear from Greg Norman and you hear from people on the periphery talking about making deals and all of this. Is there anyone who I thought Rory did, but he doesn't. Is there anyone who speaks for the players? They're the most important people in this. Is there anyone out there? You've covered this for a long time who you think is has the ear of players they don't. So one thing golf doesn't have as the quote-unquote independent contractor. I do have six players who are on the board. Uh, Tiger's still got the biggest voice of all, but we never hear from him because he hardly ever plays. Um, and it's not like he, he does regular uh, podcast and radio shows, by the way. Right, right. Um, sorry, right. To, sorry to break the news to you there, Tony. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, so, so you've got, you know, I think, I think Jordan Spieth is actually one of them. Um, he's part of the board, and I think I think Jordan is kind of the great communicator with the players if they have any questions. Um, I think Patrick Cantlay is on the board, and he, he does a lot of the um, finance side of things. Uh, but no, to answer your question, they, they don't have anyone who is their their union rep because they don't have a union. Yeah, tennis players have uh, they have the ATP. Tennis women's tennis players organized. The first thing they did was organize and then turn pro. It, it's always sort of baffling to me as I look at the NFLPA and I look at you know baseball and the NBA and all of that 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 golf does not have that body. No, they have a they have a bad function where they have a, a sixteen guys on an advisory council, and they used to have four guys on the board. Now it's up to six. Uh, but frankly, the, the tour has always had the reputation of pretty much doing whatever they want, and they still yeah. do. And one of the yeah. beefs that came out of the start of the year, it was Mackenzie Hughes, a n- nice kid from Canada. And he was on the, the advisory council, and they were talking about whether a tournament like Pebble should have a cut or not, and they're trying to make up their mind which is the best way to go. And all of a sudden there's an announcement that it's not going to have a cut. And he's like, why are we even here? No one's <laughs> listening to it. So that's that's kind of the... Yeah. Uh, to your to your point, that's that's a a, a real we call it a black eye, but it's just it's something that's never been solved in golf. If there was a great story out there, because you write stories, is is there a winner at Pebble that for you presents the great story and might be meaningful? Well, I was going to say Ron, but he's not here. Let's say right. who could we do this meaningful? Um, can I go back to Kevin Yu just to keep the trend going? Sure. Because I'm still not sure who he is. <laughs> <laughs> I think, you know, I, I, um, I think Justin Thomas or, or um, Adam Scott would be, the, would be kind of the fun ones just, just because uh, they both came off stinkers of a year. And yeah. Adam Scott needed an exemption to just get in. You know, I think people are curious, uh, or some people are curious anyway, about Nick Dunlap, the uh, yes, the kid yes. from Alabama that won in Palm Springs. Um, interesting that, you know, he um, he played in a pro-am at Palm Springs, too, and there's kind of an ease about playing with a couple of celebrities or, or corporate guys, whoever you had. It's kind of a casual round of golf, and all of a sudden you get to Sunday, and now you pretty much have to trick yourself that we're just playing another college tournament. Um, and it turned out to be a lot of, lot of stake for him. Now he's in another pro-am. Um, this time with no cut. So it's a nice, easy way to get in. But I feel bad for the kid in a way, Tony, just because I think he was wanting to go back to school. Uh, he's good enough to be on tour, obviously. Um, but I don't think he had any intention of joining until another year now. And his, his hand was forced. He won a so, tournament. He can't yeah. possibly turn down, you know, $20 million purses. And, I, and I thought about that, that too. I thought about that, too. He looked like a kid who liked Alabama and wanted to be in Alabama. But all the money that is being thrown at him right now, all the endorsement money might dry up in a year, two years, yeah. or something like that. All the exemptions. You got to – yes, it, it's – sad is the wrong word, but he was backed into a corner. There was no way out except to turn pro, right? There was no I way. I completely, completely agree with that. And some of the money still would have been there. I don't know about the endorsements because, you, you know, strike while the iron's hot and all that, yeah. all that good stuff. Um, but the, the flip side to it is if you did go back to Alabama, 
and you're not winning every every week. What's wrong with you? You know, yeah. you, could, you could you could beat Scotty Scheffler at the American Express, but you you can't beat Tennessee in college. I mean, there's nowhere to go but but down if you go back to college. And yeah, to your point, he had no choice. No, none whatsoever. Not that, we're, not that we're crying for him. I mean, he's doing no, okay. He'll be fine. Um, thank you for being on. I'm, I'm glad we accommodated it, you know, at, a, at an hour that's un, not unreasonable. And we'll talk soon. Thank you, Doug. Uh, thanks, Tony. Uh, Doug Ferguson, boys and girls from the Associated Press. We will come back with Neil Greenberg, who might explain some of the betting uh, with the Super Bowl and also why, if you win a bet, somehow the sports book doesn't pay off. I'm Tony Kornheiser. For the past 20 years, you've enjoyed the refreshing tropical lime flavor of Mountain Dew Baja Blast. So in celebration of this milestone, we're bringing Baja Blast in stores nationwide. And for a limited time with every purchase of Baja Blast, you can collect coins for a chance to get Baja gear or a Taco Bell deal. 2024 is the year of Baja Blast. In stores now. No purchase necessary. Open to U.S. residents 18 plus. Subject to official rules at BajaBlast.com and 615.24. Void where prohibited. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. I'll tell you this is what I know. Life is brutal, life is brief. It's tragedy and grief. Once again, this is Matt Davis, chair of the guitar department at the University of the Arts in Philadelphia. This is called Breathe It All In. Michael, if people like Matt Davis want to send us their original music, how do they do it? Send us your music by emailing it to jingles at tonycornizershow.com. And he plays in Neil Greenberg. And Neil Greenberg's life has undergone upheaval because of the legalization of gambling. And he has found something that suits him perfectly and suits millions of people out there, legal gambling in sports. And we're going to talk about the Super Bowl and the legal gambling there and the line and all of that. But before we get to that, there's, you know, there are growing pains with all of these companies jumping in and trying to attract your money. And by yours, I mean everybody who's listening. They want you to bet with them. They don't want you to bet with the guy around the corner. They want you to bet with them. And there was a story in the Washington Post last week about a sports book that didn't want to pay off on a legitimate bet. And I take it this is happening with a little more frequency than it should. And that, for example, in the state of New Jersey, the government gets involved when these things happen because they don't want anybody to think that people are, you know, not going to pay out when you win a bet. Can you explain the tension that's going on now and, and, and what you do to deal with this? Yeah, so there's, like you said, sports betting has exploded in the United States, and the offerings, the betting menu is very extensive. And we're way past the NFL point spread total money line. We're now into... Who's going to score the first touchdown? How many yards are going to be on this play? Will, will this drive cross the 50-yard line, et cetera? Um, and both live in-game bets and, and what have you. So what's happening is there's, there's more options, which leads to more room for error, but also it becomes increasingly difficult to, to model all these different types of offerings. Um, so what ends up happening is you have lines 
uh, lines that you can bet on that may not be accurate. And and what I mean by that is, let's just use a quick example where you know if a football team's up twenty at the half and the money line is set at you know a, 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 a minus two hundred, meaning you got to bet a hundred. Uh, $200 to win 100 you know, that, that feels wrong. But if the, if the sports book puts that out there, like you said, some states make them take the bet, but many others allow them a lot of wiggle room in terms of honoring bets. And there's terms and conditions, which is pretty much a blanket that says if the odds maker feels like it's an erroneous bet, they can void it. Um, and I get people make mistakes, and that's fine, and, and there's going to be issues with that. Maybe, you know, they set the over-under at 500 for an NFL total when it should be 50. You know, that type of stuff happens. The, the bigger problem to me is what we're calling the free roll, where the sports book will void the bet if it's a winner, but will grade it as a loss if it loses. And we're seeing that way more frequently than How we can are. They do that? you know, just not paying out on bets. How can they do that? And there's also a term you need to explain to people called the fat finger. You need to explain what that means. But how can <laughs> yeah, they I mean, do we've this? we've all done it, right? We've all typed the word duck and it says a different word or, <laughs> right. Right. you know, where, right. you, know you're, you're, you need to, to pay someone $100 and you only pay them $10 or, or $1,000. I mean, there's, you know, like I said, there's plenty of, of, of chances for human error. But the terms and conditions and the state regulators behind them, because they're paid by the sports books, allow them a lot of leeway. And I, and I can tell you from personal experience that the, the state regulators will absolutely side on the, on the side of the odds makers and, and refer the terms and conditions, which, again, are, are very widespread. And it allows them to, to pretty much do what they want with a bet. And and they don't have to give you a reason to as to why the bet was erroneous. They could just say it was, and, and that's it. But this like is amazing. This is amazing to me. This is like Jeff Ma not being allowed in a casino <laughs> right. because he's better than everybody else. I I, I don't understand yeah. this. If they say if they make their own odds and they give odds that are stupid and people are smart enough to get the bet down, what do you mean we're not paying you off? Yeah, well, it, they may not even let you put the bet in. So if, like right now, I tried to place a bet yesterday, um, and the bet was up. It's a Super Bowl bet, a lot of liquidity. Um, I'm only allowed to bet 15 cents, like literally one five cents. What? But they'll take a $1,000 bet from, from you, right, Tony? Like if you try to go in there and open up an account, I guarantee you you'd be able to get more than 15 cents down. Um, and that, to me, is discriminatory. And I've had this argument with the state regulators before, which is, you know, if they're offering San Francisco minus one and a half, and they're allowing other people to bet literally thousands of dollars, why aren't I allowed to bet at least what they're allowed to bet, right? Like, is why that because I you win? Are, are you a known quantity? I'd say winner, and they don't want your money? Yeah, I've been I've been limited in a lot of different sports books. That's but fantastic. <laughs> That's fantastic. What a great credential for you. Yeah, I mean it definitely gives me street cred. But again, I mean they're posting, they're allowing other people to bet, and I can't just because I win and I know what I'm doing. They limit me, and they want right. people to play like these parlays where they get thirty percent, you know, on average commission. Um, you know, and they're, and they're pushing that sort of thing. So that's not the democracy we live in. That's wow. not how it works. If betting is legal, it's got to be legal for you as well. This is totally nuts. I, well, you know what I when I'm, now ESPN is in the betting business now. Nobody <laughs> yeah, asked they sure me. Are. <laughs> yeah, nobody asked me if I wanted to be in the betting business, but they're in the betting business, and a lot of places are in the betting business, and they bring out people. I'm going to get in trouble for this, I'm sure. They bring out people all the time to give their bets. And that's fine. That's great. But what I would like to see, if I want to bet with them, what I would like to see, and I'd like to see this from Neil, if, if Neil is, is producing copy every single week telling people what to bet, I'd like to see your record. Oh, sure. I'd like to see their records. You know, I'd like yeah. to know, well, have you won 60% of the time? Because well, if you've won 8% of the time, then it's very entertaining. But I don't know that I'm not. That's why we give Chuck Todd and the Monkey and Carville and Jeff. That's why we do that all the time. So people can make, make a choice, right? I yeah. mean, do you yeah, print, so do you print your record? Number one, 
like I, I my my bets go in print. So I'm eleven and one in the postseason right now wow. on my playoff NFL Oof. picks. Um, wow. So but, wonder they don't let you bet. <laughs> uh, right. But but the other part is, you know, if 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 a if an odds maker or sports book is saying, Hey, this is the bet that you wanna make, you have to think to yourself, the the job of the sports book is to is to, to make money. Like why are they pushing this specific bet, right? Like there's there's a reason for that and um, you know, you always want to line shop. You always want to see what that exact bet would be at different shops because many times you can find better prices elsewhere. But, you know, if... Do they all make their own line, Neil? Does everybody, every one of these books make their own different line and they could vary by two or three points if that's no, true? No, they don't vary that much. But they... Okay. Generally, would sp- generally, you have what's called the market maker. So you have these sports books that are the first to come out, usually after a game ends, you know, they'll have lines for the next week or the big games, okay. et cetera. And then you have these other regulated books, which will copy those lines, and then they just kind of balance their books based on the action that they have individually. Um, it's rare that you'll see, you know, maybe you'll see like a half-point difference, but, you know, once, once you, you – it's rare to see something that's, that's two or three. Now, if it is, for argument's sake – I've had a situation where, like, the Cowboys were minus seven, a book flashed plus seven. I took some action on that, um, and then they voided the bet. You know, that's, a, that's, a, that's an error. Like, I, I get that part. Yeah. But there are yeah. situations where, you know, some books will have a live line of minus one and a half, and others will have minus five and a half. And, you know, that's a, that's a real lucrative situation. Um, so there's, you know, you, you just have to, to look and, you know, always be wary of a sports book that tells you this is the, you know, we have this sponsored parlay because I can tell you right now that that parlay is junk. Okay. Everybody says that, that parlays are all junk and they just make money for the sports book. What did the, as, as soon as San Francisco beat Detroit and the Super Bowl was set. So that's Sunday night at 930. The Super Bowl is set. What was the first line that came out? Minus two and a half. San Francisco minus two and a half. So in other words, I could bet Mahomes and get points. Yeah. yeah. Which everybody but, um, did, and it, it's quickly shifted, right? Right. So when the line came out at minus two and a half, and I actually tweeted this, I said, there's nowhere for this line to go but towards Kansas City. Yes. So if you're going to bet Kansas City, now's the time, because you get a two and a half, you get a much better money line. And that's yeah. because of the key numbers of three and seven. So what would end up happening is, you know, most football games, they score points in threes or sevens because of field goals and touchdowns. So if, if they open San Francisco minus two and a half and people take that position and then they move Kansas City to plus three, there's going to be a lot of people playing both sides from the middle. Yes. So the, the, there was a very, very low chance. There'd have to be some major action coming in for that to happen. Um, so, yeah, I mean, but knowing that you're able to, to outwit the sports books in that regard – um, but that's exactly you know what we're talking about. They don't want that. They don't want people like me being able to to beat them at their own game. Well, if you're diligent, you can shop around, and every once in a while you're going to get a middle area in which you can bet both teams and know you're going to win, right? You know you're going yeah, to I win. Yeah, I mean, that's how I made a lot of money early on was betting those type of situations. Um, you see that in college basketball a lot. The college basketball market's pretty volatile, so you can get like an over-under, let's say like 100 points, and then later in the week you can get maybe like 104, and, you know, you have a four-point middle, and, and you know, yeah. stuff like that is, is advantageous. Um, but, yeah, same thing with football. I mean, injuries, news, um, changes, like all that weather, like all that stuff will influence the line, and if you're able to anticipate that, there's certainly middles to be made. If you are 11 and 1 in the playoffs so far because I have followed the playoffs it meant that you have probably bet against San Francisco in terms of the number and bet with Kansas City in terms of the number which leads me to my question for you which is the Super Bowl what are you looking at Um this is a tough one I'm actually not looking at a side in the Super Bowl I'm looking at the total and I am very convinced that it's going to be under the 47 and a half. You, you look at these two defenses, they're very efficient, even after adjusting for strength of schedule. Um, they're in the top five in some of the, the less traditional metrics. And I, I looked historically at what happens when these two top five defenses meet. 
and typically they have a very low-scoring game in like the, the, the high 30s, low 40s. Um, so I think this is going to be a low-scoring game. I'm actually on the under here. So you're not, you, would, you would stay away from a bet that was either San Francisco or Kansas City. You're staying away from that. Yeah, I mean, Kansas City at plus one and a half is pretty much just they have to win. Um, you know, San Francisco, if, if I'm going to be playing them, um, you know, at minus one and a half, I might look more for an alternative line, maybe, you know, minus six and a half if I think there's going to be a blowout um, and get some, some plus money there. But, you know, these are two very good teams, and, you know, Kansas City is, is on the upswing, especially with the offense and the very good defense. Um, I personally don't see an edge in, in the point spread. I, I think the edge for me is in the total going under. Okay. Thank you, Neil. I'm sparing you having to talk about Ovechkin, as I always <laughs> ask you to talk about. Yeah, that's a tough one. The chase is, uh, the chase is in doubt, but I'm sure we'll have plenty of time to talk about that later. We will do it down the road. Thank you, Neil. All right, talk to you guys soon. Neil Greenberg, boys and girls. That was very interesting to me. That was. And can I just say, there was a phrase that came up in that that brought something up in my mind. I'm going to say this to you now. When I became of age, my mother, my mother called, called me to her side. She said, yeah, um, pretty soon you'll take a bride. And yeah. then she said, just because you become a young man now. Still some things you don't understand now. Keep your freedom for as long as you can now. Better shop, shop around. around. That's Smokey Sh- Robinson, boys and girls. <laughs> We will come back. I can do this. It's so scary. I can do this. Um, We will come back with email and jingle. I am Tony Kornheiser. Check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss, five days a week talking all things NBA. Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews or coverage of all the biggest stories in the nba our new show is the place to be five days a week download and follow beyond the arc on apple podcasts spotify and wherever you get your favorite podcasts you're listening to the tony kornheiser show That's the great organ from the great Bill Pitcher. It's in Pennsylvania. Just Always absolutely wonderful. You want to do the Bethesda Bagel ad for us? Yes, Bethesda Bagels. We love them. You will as well. Just go to BethesdaBagels.com for the location in the D.C. area nearest you. Then pop on in and you'll be thrilled. That'll just about do it for us today. Before we get to the mailbag, let me say, oh, how you tried to cut me down to size, telling dirty lies to my friends. But my own father said, give her up. Don't bother. The world isn't coming to an end. He said, Walk like a man, talk like a man, walk like a man, my son. No woman's worth crawling on the earth, so walk like a man, my son. That was the second hit, I believe, for the four seasons after Sherry. I think Sherry was the, big the first one debut hit, and then Walk Like a Man, I think, was second. And by the way, I should point out, I didn't write all those lyrics down. You just recited them. No, I know them. I, I just know them. Thanks to our guests today, Mark Feinstein, Doug Ferguson, Neil Greenberg. Thanks as well to today's sponsors. Remember, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and Odyssey. Get the show through Apple. Please leave us a review. Let's see what we can do here. This is from Dan Kaparski in Long Beach, California. And he writes, Hi, Uncle Tony. I have the answer as to why Nautica does not have the same prices online and in their outlet stores. Although I was suggested to me that I, I ask for the best price guarantee. And I looked at George, who said, you should ask for the best price guarantee. And I thought, is this some constitutional thing? Do you think that stands up in court? Do you think everyone has the best price guarantee? Not everyone does. All right. Um, I am the director of e-commerce from Olukai. You got a free box of that. Eat it, Jordan Morrell, and a few other lifestyle retail brands. Olukai is great golf shoes. Incredibly comfortable. Right, Michael? You have Olukai. Super comfortable, you? yeah. On really and off the course. So Dan Kaparski writes, Nautica is owned by Authentic Brand Group, ABG. They are notable for most recently running Sports Illustrated into the ground. ABG acquired my previous employer last year, so I'm intimately familiar with their business model. They are a brand licensing group. They take poor performing companies with a recognizable brand name and sell them for parts. The e-commerce website is likely run by a completely different operating company as the retail store. In some instances, they even split out product categories to different manufacturers. This means that the company that makes the sleep pants doesn't even make the outerwear jackets you see in the store, 
but they all get a Nautica boat slapped on at the end. You are in fact lucky that the outlet you went to even had the same sleep bands that you saw online. Hope this helps answer some of the mystery behind your retail woes. Also, I oversee Olakai's customer service department, the Aloha Experience Team, which I can assure you will be happy to chat with Uncle Tony live from Southern California. They promise stay on the phone as long as you want, even if PTI is off that day and you just want to chat with someone who will listen. <laughs> That's impressive. Uh, from Alan Spitzer, not that Alan Spitzer in Chevy Chase, Maryland. Hello from the mean streets of Chevy Chase. Mr. Tony, I wanted to jump into the new game as soon as I could. The list of most beautiful songs of all time has to include God Only Knows by the Beach Boys. Carl Wilson singing lead, sweet melody, beautiful message, and the harmonies. And a special edict to my brother Stephen, who introduced me to the Beach Boys in the early 70s. Yeah, God Only Knows is on there. It's just not, and I love the Beach Boys. It's not ahead of Bridge Over Troubled Water. It's just below. It's just not. Uh, from Best Matt to Sam. In, yes, yes. Matt Turnbull in... Um, Montreal in Quebec in Canada, longtime listener, first time emailer. I never had a song to add to the worst songs ever list, but after listening to Thursday's show, I think I have a nomination for the most beautiful song ever. This is interesting. Don't talk, put your head on my shoulder by the Beach Boys. I know Paul McCartney said God Only Knows was the best love song ever written, but Don't Talk is such a tender song, it's almost beyond words. I use it for my first dance song at my wedding, which my wife was delighted by. One of the guests summed it up perfectly by saying, it's one of the most emotionally charged songs written by an emotionally broken man, Brian Wilson. I'm curious to hear your opinion on that. I hang up and listen. Yeah, everything Brian Wilson touched, everything he touched yeah. turns to gold. Genius. He's, he's that good. Um, Aaron, with the Rivian. With the Rivian. Mm. Dear Dr. Grandpa, since I didn't hear Michael call dibs, may I please have your Nautica and other coupons when you're gone? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you can get my Tommy Hilfiger coupon. I'm not using it. From Charlie Warren in Fort Smith, Arkansas. Tony seems so fancy when he uses the term sleeping pants that I start to wonder if he really puts his wide awake pants on one leg at a time like the rest of us. Do other people don't have the term sleeping pants? It was sleeping shorts and sleeping pants. Yes, I was and they're different from pajamas. Yes, they're different. Different from pajamas. They're loungewear. They're not just made to sleep in. They're, you, know, you, you adapt them to your sleep routines. Uh, Joe in Powell, Ohio. Hilarious story about you and your Nautica store adventure. You said you bought sleeping pants to go with your sleeping shirt, and you already have sleeping shorts. They're called pajamas. Why doesn't anyone say pajamas anymore? Michael, will you explain the difference, please? Pajamas They're... implies a set. Yes. Sleeping now, pants. You, can are just... you wear sleeping pants out of the house? Well, I could, but I, I could. wouldn't. I, I, I wouldn't. Yes, I think they're uh, traditionally called loungewear. I, I could I, would, in the yard, but I wouldn't know I wouldn't. Would these be like... Not to the store. Like flannel? Yeah, yeah they're sort of flannel. With a drawstring and things yes, like that? Yes, okay. that's what I have. Okay. Yeah, people You're do. looking at it like, wow, you discovered Argentina on a trip. <laughs> just, well, of course. Didn't... I thought it was old pajamas. I, did, I was no, unaware. No, 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 no. Uh, from Stu. Shipping is $8 if you order online. $12.99 plus $8, you got a deal. No, I don't want that. I don't want, to, I don't want shipping. I don't want to pay shipping. Um, David Epstein in New York. Am I the only little who wishes the $12.88 pajama pants had cost just $1 more? $17.99 instead of $16.99. So we could have heard you utter, well, we wound up paying an addition 5 and 11 <laughs> Not very good. That's funny. Um, here's one from Shad. Here is a haiku. In store or online, right and justice on your side, discount you've chosen. Yeah, I, right and justice are on my side in this, as far as I'm concerned. From Brett Hobbs. Where is Brett Hobbs from? Linton, Indiana. Your experience with the Nautica store, not giving you the price they showed online, was connective tissue for me. I recently wanted to buy a brother printer. I searched Walmart online and found the one I wanted at a very good price. I live within walking distance of a Walmart, so I headed over to get the printer. I arrived at the electronics area. I found a worker. I showed him the online listing and asked him if they had that printer. He said, yes, but not at that price. The in-store printer was $15 more. I asked him if he would sell me the printer at the online price, and he said, no, can't do that. I then tried to employ logic and explain to him <coughs> that I was here and I had cash, and the printer was here, longing for me to take it home. He replied that I could only get the printer at that price by ordering it online. I then went home and ordered the printer online. The printer um, exceeded their shipping limit, and I got it shipped free of charge. I have yet to figure out why Walmart would have this rule in place, but it sounds like other companies employ that well way of selling items. As a lifelong Cub fan, he writes in a PS, I will be petitioning to have Michael Wilbon removed from the Cub fan roles. <laughs> At no time would a genuine Cub fan root for a St. Louis Cardinal team for any reason. I don't care if Moses himself was running the Cardinals and the Pope was pitching for them. It is just not done. 
the, the, the greater issue here is the thing we don't understand. If you are the company and you advertise this piece of, of merchandise at a certain price and I walk into a store, why can't I get it for that price? Seems like they should own it. Why that. can't I? So with the from printer, I wonder if you could purchase it online, purchase it to pick up at the store. Just do it from your phone. Oh, sure. I, maybe. But I, I don't know. That's interesting. From Steve the Sycophant, after hearing your musings on the meaning of the Chicago hit 25 to 624, I hit that famous internet site Song Facts, and I learned that Robert Lamb, the Chicago singer and keyboardist, was trying to finish the song early, early in the morning. The time was 25 or 6 minutes before 4 a.m. He read 25 or 6 to 4, and a hit lyric was born. I should note at this time in my elderly life that the only significance of 25 or 6 to 4 is I've had more sleep than usual before I have to pick. Yeah, we all know that. <laughs> Patrick Sitter, Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Do you wear a cup when you're on PTI? Also, do you wear a cup when you're wearing your sleeping pants? No. <laughs> Uh, from Bruce Hansen in Reston, Virginia. Hi, Tony. Back in the early 90s, I was behind Carville in security, flying the shuttle from uh, LGA to National. So that's LaGuardia. This was pre-TSA, where there was a nice woman behind the ticket counter who would ask in a very matter-of-fact tone if anyone had to carry anything onto the plane. I flew the shuttle almost every day and almost lost it when Carville, with that crazy Cajun accent, proclaimed, I wish I would have. And then proceeded to describe in great detail to the nice lady and the rest of his fellow travelers how he would detain them until the proper authorities arrived. I don't remember the entire rant, but I do remember it, including him describing how to apply an arm bar. Carville <laughs> <laughs> is so great. From Ashton Wingate in Queens in New York, one for two at the outlet stores. Pretty good week. Looking at 500. How'd the Simeon do? Is Carville going to outlets anytime soon? I think he got something solved to pass the time after football season is done. I can't speak for the other littles, but I'd like to see Chuck Todd walk into a Joseph A. Bank and swing a deal or two. <laughs> Nobody wears. Chuck Todd's not wearing that. Rory Kimberlin, who emails us from Gardner, Maine a lot. A recent email elicited the dress shirts in his closet. In any other venue, I would be angry that my time was thus wasted. Here, however, it made perfect sense. And as a stay-at-home dad with nothing but time, it prompted me to count my sneakers. I have 51 pairs of Nike wow. now listed by model on a notebook. I'll save the breakdown for Chuck and Roxy episode 2000 when they run out of pothole emails to discuss. <laughs> Is that what they do? Potholes? <laughs> Dave Patton in Naugatuck, Connecticut. I'm looking for a new cardiologist. I found one who's close to my house. Gets great, great recommendations, a 4.9 out of a 5 rating, and a medical degree from SUNY Stony Brook. Should I keep looking? I'd stay away from somebody from Stony Brook. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, I just would. Binghamton is one thing, but no, I'd stay away from Stony Brook, even in cardiology. What can I tell you? <laughs> from Jeff Barger, who emails us a lot in Hillsborough, North Carolina. After listening to Thursday's show, I have several questions. Do a lot of people use the term sleeping pants? Sleeping pants is a new term for me. Are there also awake pants? Do you think Taylor Swift and Brittany Mahomes could get a table at Carbone? Yes, I do. <laughs> yes. If Winnie the Pooh yes. and the Godfather are similar, are Eeyore and Tessio similar? I can't imagine Eeyore asking Pooh to get him off the hook for old time's sake. One more from Dave Arnold in Broomall, Pennsylvania. Saw Chuck Todd on PBS's Washington Week on Friday, January 26th. What? No defense of his conference championship picks? No hearty with cheesery? Instead, we heard political drivel? Priorities, people. Yes, priorities. And if you're out on your bike tonight, as always, do wear white. All right, Bob. What is it? Well, I, I was an innkeeper in this crazy little town in Vermont. I'm happy for you. Set out on their own. I think back on these days we've had, and this year we've spent at home. And every day just felt the same. And sometimes it made us feel insane. Sunshine and rain every day. But even with all this time, days are long and the years are short It's never quite enough Always just keeping up We'll catch our breath someday When our boys are all grown up When our boys are all grown up Well, the baby is just eight months and our first is five years old And the joy and love and life they've grown It's more than our hearts can hold They're just as sweet as can be 
They have no idea the world they'll see And we'll keep it like that for as long as we can Take the love we've grown The home we build and the life we made And fill their hearts with love And show them they're enough Know they'll be okay when our boys are all grown up. When our boys are all grown up. Let's talk about you and me and the changes that we see. The people we were, the people we've grown to be. I'm laughing like. The hard times of early last year We fall apart and we come back a little more true Life can be so rough in a world in disarray This time has been a gift And memories will warm our hearts And we look back on When our boys are all grown up When our boys are all grown up When our boys are all grown up I'll tell you this is what I know Life is brutal, life is brief It's tragedy and grief it ends in the ground and it starts in compromise But if you can love it then you've won If you can love it then you're done If you can love it then you've done stars burn out and time slips away and before our bodies wear out and the years have their say and before we all fall down well it's a lot Breathe it all out. There are streets in Philadelphia where houses once families were born, life was good. But the people had to leave. And the houses all fell down Grass grows in the street now And nothing can be found So for all the things we do And for all the things we say Nothing can stop us Turning up So before the stars burn out And time slips away Before our bodies wear out And the years have their say Before we all fall down Well, it's a lot to feel I'll breathe it all in And I'll breathe it all out There's a phone in my pocket And a map up on the wall And 
one makes this world seem bigger And one makes it seem so small So we'll talk on the phone About what we did today And we'll teach each other our lives And make this distance go away So before the stars burn out And time slips away And before the bodies wear out And the years have their say We all fall down Well, it's a lot to feel I'll breathe it all in And I'll breathe it all out And I'll breathe it all in And I'll breathe it all out I'll breathe it all in Breathe it all out I breathe it all in And I'll breathe it all in I'll breathe it all out